Well, first and foremost, I am glad to be with you this morning, and I know that some of you were up late last night, and I want to commend you for waking up and getting yourselves here. I can't think of a better place to be for the first day of the year than right here with you. And so, if you fall asleep during the sermon, I will give you some grace today, I understand. Um, but also, I want to thank you, uh, especially members that were at the members meeting and we called everybody to, to pray and I want to thank you for that I want to encourage you to continue to, to pray we're definitely in evaluation mode as a church right now with the survey that Carrie talked about and trying to get feedback from people to make some potential changes uh, for, for Mercy Hill as we move forward into this coming year and so I would encourage you please continue to pray for wisdom we've been praying and the uh, the Mercy Kids changes that, that Carrie mentioned, trust us that we, we spent time in prayer and looked to advice of, from others with those, uh, with those changes. Um, and and uh, I want to continue to, to press forward. And so with that, we're starting a new sermon series today on the book of Ephesians. And I'm excited. This is going to last us all the way to Easter. We are going to be studying this book, and, and I love Ephesians because it really shares God's heart, reveals God's heart for the church. And it's actually a little bit misleading when we call it a book, because it's actually a letter. In fact, all of Paul's writings in the New Testaments are letters or epistles, some people will call them. And so when we read much of the New Testament, we're actually kind of peeking into somebody else's mail. This is the personal correspondence between Paul and these local churches. Now, these letters would not have been delivered in an envelope. They would have been delivered as a scroll, which is why you received a scroll. And if you haven't had a chance to open this up, you can open it up and you can take a look at this. Now, it would not have been a scroll or a, a, like a booklet that was rolled. It would have been a very long piece of paper, but I didn't want to kill a whole tree. And so that's why you got a booklet today that was rolled up into a scroll, but you can see that this is addressed to Mercy Hill, because I want us to see the letter of, to the Ephesians as a letter to us today. And so I personalized it, and if you notice, I also took out all the, the headings and the chapter numbers, the verse numbers, so that it felt a little bit more authentic and original. Because this is how they would have seen it, although it would have been in Greek and you wouldn't have been able to read it. But I, I wanted you to have a sense of what they would have felt when they received this letter from Paul. And more than likely, this would have been read out loud to a group like we do on Sunday mornings. But I would encourage you this week, at some point, to sit down with this letter and read it all the way through in one sitting, like it was originally meant to be read. And it'll take you probably about 15, 20 minutes to do that, which even in our day, that's a, that's a fairly long letter. Well, back in Paul's day, that was an extremely long letter. In fact, back in his day, the average letter was about 87 words. Ephesians is 3,000 words. And so this is a long letter. Now today, we're not going to go over all 3,000 words. We're just going to take a look at the first two verses and really ask two questions to try to get some more context so we can understand the intent of this letter. We're going to ask the question, okay, who is, who is Paul 
And then secondly, who was he writing to in this letter? So let's pray one more time, and then we'll take a look at the first two verses. Father, I pray right now that you would help us focus on your word. And we trust that your word will transform us. We trust that your word will infiltrate our hearts and help us to trust you more. That you would strengthen our faith. That you would help us to believe in who you are and what your heart is for the church. And that you would, you would transform us into the image of Christ through your word. So I pray that right now you'd help us to just get rid of all the distractions and that you would help us to see who you are truly through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we pick up in verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so right away we see a couple things and we, we learn a couple things about Paul and who he's writing to. We see that Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And we talk through that, what that means. And we see that the saints in Ephesus, they are those that are faithful in Christ Jesus. And that word faithful can be translated as, as believers. These are the believers in Jesus Christ. And the grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a standard greeting. And so let's first ask, okay, who is Paul? And I think for me and for a lot of people, Paul is this kind of bigger-than-life person, this intimidating character. This, it's kind of, his writing's kind of overwhelming at times. It's intense. It's both beautiful and sometimes confusing. Some of his sentences are long and hard to understand. And it, his letters are filled with grace, but at times they're very weighty. And it dawned on me this week that we talked about we're almost 10 years old. And so I've gotten the chance to walk through several books of the Bible over the last 10 years. I've never had the guts to go through one of Paul's letters, though. In the last 10 years, I haven't. And I think that's because letters are challenging. And so this is long overdue, but I'm excited about the challenge. And if you look at Paul's life, Paul was one of the most influential people that the world has ever seen. We've got volumes and volumes and and. Lots of literature from the ancient world, great writings like the Iliad and the, and the Odyssey, authors like Homer and, and Cicero, and these guys had these, these sponsors or these, these patrons that would set them up so that they could dedicate their entire lives to writing and writing, and they would put out volumes and thousands of pages, and they've, they've been preserved for thousands of years, and we've, had, we've got all of them. But here's the thing. Paul, we have like maybe 80 pages of Paul's writings in the New Testament. And those 80 pages have far outweighed 
all the other authors and writings and literature from his day. If you look at the influence that he's had on just everyday people in our lives, in our cultures, uh, his influence far outweighs all of them. And part of that's because Paul's story is so intriguing. If, if you know anything about Paul, you know we're, we're introduced to Paul for the first time in Acts chapter 7. And it's at the, the stoning, the first martyr, Stephen's stoning. And Paul is there, not as a missionary, not as a believer, but as a, as a Pharisee. In fact, he's a, the infamous Pharisee who is going around and persecuting Christians. Before he was a Christian, he, he, hated, he looked at Christianity as a cult, as a threat, as, as, as this little group of people who had these crazy ideas that was a threat to his religion. And so he went around persecuting until one day on the road to Damascus, he has this encounter, this vision of Jesus. And it completely changed the trajectory of his world and our world, really. Now, a lot of people equate his name change from, because back then he, his, he was known as Saul, right? And, but we know him as Paul. And a lot of people equate his name change to his conversion story, that road to Damascus encounter with Jesus, we equate his, his name change to that, but Jesus never actually changed his name there. If you go back to the, the story, Jesus addresses Saul in that situation on the road to Damascus as Saul. And then even later, he tells Ananias to go find Saul. And then in chapter 9 of Acts, we read that it was Saul who was increasing in spiritual strength and understanding after his conversion. It wasn't until chapter 13 of Acts that he is called Paul. And it's almost nonchalant that uh, this is Saul, who is also known as Paul. But then from there on, he's called Paul. So if it wasn't Jesus changing his name, what, what was going on there? Well, it was actually fairly popular for people to have two names back then. And so Saul was his Hebrew, his Jewish name, and Paul was his Roman name. And so it was on his first missionary journey that he started calling himself, or that he was started to be known as Paul, which makes sense because he was a missionary to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And so he would be addressed as Paul, his Roman name from there on out. Now, but he wasn't just a missionary to the Gentiles. We saw in our text today that he was an apostle to the Gentiles by the will of God. And so what is an apostle? An apostle is simply means one who is sent out. And there's several places in the New Testament where the word apostle is used, and it's just simply used in the sense of a general messenger, somebody that was sent out to, to carry a message. But the majority of the time, that word in the New Testament refers to the, the, the 12 original disciples and Paul, that they held this, this special office that had some authority to it. And we're going to talk more about this when we get to chapter 4, because this topic gets mentioned again. But I want, to, I want to just encourage you to be cautious right now that if there's anybody today that claims to have apostolic authority, be cautious of that. Because there's actually a growing movement within Christianity that is teaching that God is raising up this new set of apostles to bring in the end times. 
and that all churches and believers and pastors need to submit to these apostles, these new apostles. This is a growing movement in Christianity right now. And, and I think there's some significant problems with their theology. We're going to come back to that when we get to Ephesians chapter 4, but I just want to mention that today and put that on your radar. Now, the last thing I really want to talk to you about Paul today is just his passion. I mean, he was passionate about a lot of things, but when he was a Pharisee, he was passionate about being a Pharisee. When he became a believer, he was passionate about sharing the gospel, especially with the Gentiles. Just listen to some of the things that he said. And starting in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he said, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He talks like that all the time. Acts 20, verse 31. Therefore, be alert, reminding you that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. He was emotional about the gospel. 2 Corinthians 12, 15. He writes this in a letter. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Again, Galatians 4.19, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And then here's my favorite, 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law, but the, the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. And so I see passages like this and I just think that, man, Paul was such a reflection of Jesus who, who literally became one of us to save us. Paul was so passionate about sharing the gospel that, like Christ, he was willing to suffer for it. In fact, he in, ends up in jail and he would be a martyr for the gospel. In fact, there's a good chance that Paul was writing from prison as he wrote this letter. Now, I want to go to our second question. Okay, who is he writing to? Ephesus was the capital city of a Roman province in Asia. And it was a center of trade. And, and there was many roads. There was a harbor there. There was roads going to all the main cities around it. Uh, it had the world's largest amphitheater, held 50,000 people. That's a lot of people for back then. Uh, it also had uh, a very well-known temple. In fact, it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Artemis. And so people from all over the world would come to, to worship this, uh, this deity uh, in, in this temple. In fact, much of their economy was tied to people coming in and, and worshiping at this temple. So when I think of Ephesus, I kind of think of Las Vegas, okay, a, a fairly large city known for some immorality known for being a, a, a place where people will go, a tourist destination, but instead of gambling being the main attraction, it was the Temple of Artemis that was the main attraction there. And so it's in this context that Paul actually spends two years there 
and he starts this church. And he was not well received by a lot of people. Uh, because if you think about it, the gospel was a threat to their livelihoods. If, if your livelihood is dependent upon people coming to worship this, this goddess, then if, if somebody shares the gospel and they're, they're calling people to change their allegiance from Artemis to, to, uh, to Jesus, that was a threat to your livelihood. And, and so there was one point where Paul and his companions are actually dragged into that that huge amphitheater, and this mob for two hours just shouts at them consistently, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. But in spite of the per persecution, many did trust in Christ, this church was planted, and it would last for hundreds of years. But I, I can imagine being a Christian in Ephesus was not easy. I mean, to be in a, not to, just the, the persecution and the threat of persecution, but also just living in a culture where this, this deity is being worshipped, and, and so there's pagan worship going all around you, there's immorality all around you, it just had a weight on you. And so this letter was meant to encourage this church in the midst of all of these challenges. And, and more than likely, this letter was meant for a, a larger audience than just the church in Ephesus. In fact, some of the earliest manuscripts don't have a church that is addressed at the beginning. It's just left blank, not to a specific church. And so most scholars believe that this letter was meant to be a circular letter. It was meant to be passed around. And so it went to Ephesus, but it went to some of the other churches and the other cities around that area, which is probably why Paul doesn't address anything real specific or, or name specific people in this letter. It was a general letter to go out to many people. And so it serves as a good summary of Paul's theology. And I think it will serve us well to, to study it as a church. And this is my hope and my prayer. I want us to look at Ephesians. I want you to look at Ephesians as a letter written to our church family, but also written to you specifically from a good friend, a wise, older mentor who has been on the front lines of ministry and church life for some time, knows what it's like to live in a culture that does not easily accept the gospel, but he's got a huge passion and love for the church, to see the church reflect the love of Christ to one another and to its neighbors. And so next week we're going to dive back in and we're going to talk about the, the purpose of the letter. But I think it's helpful for us to see the context of who Paul is and who he's writing to today. So again, your homework, if you will choose to accept it, is to sit down sometime this week and read through the whole book of Ephesians. And also, if you went to the newsletter this past week, I included a, a video from the Bible Project that kind of summarizes the whole thing. And so that would be another way for you to kind of get the big picture of what the, uh, the story or the letter is all about. And so let's close with prayer. <coughs> Father, once again, I thank you so much for this, this letter from Paul that was meant to encourage a specific church at a specific time, but is obviously also meant for us here today at Mercy Hill. And I pray that you would help give us wisdom as we walk through it. Help us to discern what it means, what it meant, and what you intended by it through Paul 
but also how, what it, implications there are for us today. And I pray once again that through your spirit, you would use your word to impact our lives, to help us love one another better, and to help us love our neighbors better. Help us to disciple one another better. In Jesus' name. So we're going to move into a time of communion. We do this every single Sunday.